Hello again and welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy to have you. So glad that you tune in. You guys, it just means the world having anybody listen to these podcasts, especially when they're very fascinating stories. I mean, I get that. I get that that's totally a reason why people uh, come over and check out the episodes because the story itself is very interesting. But I think they stay because of the way that we tell it. Now, sometimes it is a little inconsistent, but that's fine. And speaking of inconsistency, my name's Patrick Michael. This is the podcast. This is the show. This is true crime. And I've said it in many episodes, but I feel like this is a good episode to go ahead and repeat this. It, this is this is more of a laid-back style of delivering true crime. Of course it's going to be creepy. Of course it's going to be grim. But at the same time, we're going to try to lighten the mood where we can. So bear with us. But if you don't think that there's any reason that true crime and possible laughter have a place, if you don't feel that there's any reason that those things should go together, you don't got to stick around. And it's fine. I prefer it, in fact. I want the people to understand. And we wish you well. I wish you well. Have fun. Dolly Parton has a podcast that you'll probably enjoy. I just want to say thank you to everybody who does enjoy the podcast. And they let me know by leaving a nice review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, really. As well as being a donator. A donor. You know you know that little heart that's on your driver's license? You can be a person that does that. You can give me some hearts. Help support the show that you enjoy by going over to patreon.com slash podculture. I put the link in all the episode descriptions. It's probably the best place to do it. Of course, I have a couple different variations of that, but at the same time, that is the mainstay. That helps support all of the shows. And you know what? Without that, I don't know what we would do. Of course, we'd still do the podcast because I love it. I love this genre. I love this uh, topic matter, subject matter, whatever you want to call it. It's so intriguing. It's so interesting. It's so gripping. That's the word I'm looking for because it pulls you in. And you, these are one of the these are the type of stories where you listen to them or you watch them on television or in film, and you automatically, without thinking. Put yourself in the shoes of these people, whether it's the victim, whether it's the victim's family. Either way, if you're a human being, I would feel like you go into those shoes. But if you're a little outside of the general human realm, you might go into the shoes of the bad guy. Hey, what would happen if I did this? And we don't like those type of people. But trust me, in most cases, you watch these things and, and you're you're feeling such empathy and sorrow for these people for the families for the children in some cases it's very intriguing in that sense but overall it is a grim topic but that is why it is one of the most sought after genres of anything ever when it comes to podcasting when it comes to documentaries tv shows movies if it features true crime or based on a true crime people will gravitate to it and I like it because I wouldn't have guessed that had I not started my own true crime podcast. And you know what? I'm glad that I did. You guys make it worth it. You have no idea what it means. But today, we're going to be talking about somebody who was very established and the very last person most of us would assume 
ends up being found dead in their own driveway. Now, Dan Markle was a 41-year-old successful lawyer who had been in a terrible marriage, to say the least. Things didn't work out. He had two kids as well. And he was born in 1972 in Toronto. So this does take place in Canada in the beginning because this is where he's born, but it does end up in Florida. So definitely, I would say, polar opposites being Canada and Florida, at least weather-wise. I would imagine culturalistically as well. Very different, different places. Now, Dan ended up going through a lot of schooling. He ended up graduating for law in Harvard uh, in 2001. And by 2005, he was teaching at Florida State University College of Law. He was a decorated professor, highly sought after. This is a guy who people were like, hey, we want this man representing us or coming here. Now, he was not a practicing lawyer in the sense that he was taking on cases. But he ends up meeting a woman named Wendy Adelson on a website known as JDate. And they end up getting married in 2006. Now, Wendy also happened to teach different things as well. She was not nearly as acclaimed or... She certainly didn't have the same credentials as Dan. I don't think they were even studying the same thing. More importantly, by 2009, Dan ends up putting out a book simply called Privilege or Punish, The Challenge of Family Ties. And you'll understand more why this has to do with this story the further we get into it. And as I said, they did have two kids. They had two sons, both born uh, on 2009 to uh, 2010. So they were only a year apart, barely a year apart. Uh, But by 2012, things seemed to get rocky within the marriage. Things were not going well at the Markel house. And there was a a family quarrel. And it kind of stemmed not only from how Wendy and Dan felt about each other, but Wendy eventually gets her mother involved. And she's not a fan of Dan. She doesn't like Dan, doesn't want anything to do with Dan, and she tries to convince her daughter to take the two kids and get rid of Dan. Just take up and leave. And we've all heard this story before. This isn't something new. Many crime cases begin this way. Many crime cases have to do with a a disgruntled spouse and children. And I think that's where everybody in the real world seems to be drawing this line, where... If it involves children and it's for the better, the sake of the children, we will take these actions, whatever they may be. Sometimes they're absolutely horrible. Some, I mean, they're all horrible if you're taking your, the kids away from their parent. But sometimes the parent isn't there anyways for it to matter. But in the end, it still does have an effect on the children. It always will. And much like this, it did. Because throughout the messy dif- uh, divorce proceedings... Don ends up, uh, Dan ends up arriving back at his house after obviously working his ass off, doing what he does as a, as a lawyer who teaches law. He arrives to his own home and finds everyone gone and also everything, including the two kids. The only thing left was this ugly mattress sitting there in the middle of the floor and on that mattress was divorce papers for Dan from his wife, Wendy Adelson. So she is going through with the mother's wishes as well as probably her own feelings but when you have that that outside spouse that outside relationship where somebody is helping push you in a certain direction 
that only helps. That only helps this person who already has, you know, bad feelings about their spouse. It already pushes them. They're already out the door. And you have one other person saying, yeah, get the fuck out of there. And it's your mom. Well, chances are you're going to believe in everything they're saying and you're going to take action. So she does take off, like I said, with the kids. Wendy takes off with the kids and she tries to act. She does actually change the names of the children. Uh, their surnames from Adelson. From Adelson. I don't know what she I don't have what right, right here what she changed them to. I would imagine her maiden name. But she does change the kids' name so that way there is no relate. There's nothing that uh, ties them to Dan. And that's got to be crushing. It's got to be crushing. Because Dan does stop this. She did want to leave. Dan knew about it. And he said, no, you're not taking the kids. You're most certainly not moving away with the children. We don't have to be together. But you're not taking my kids somewhere else, lady. That's what it is. And then, uh, by uh, this is oddly weird, but I feel like it goes in with the story somehow. In 2013, Wendy published a book on human trafficking. Now, I'm not saying this has any, any real ties to the case, and we, you won't know that until the end. But nonetheless, very weird. How, are, how, how is it so easy for these people to just get books published? Seems like that would be a little tricky. But that's maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just difficult for, for a not-law student guy to get a I don't know who knows anywho let's uh let's keep going here uh June 18th of 2014 Dan goes and drops the kids off at preschool this is at 11 a.m and he goes home and he pulls in the driveway now while he's pulling into the driveway he has he happens to be on the phone now I don't know who he's talking to but whoever he's talking to he does say to them someone is in my driveway and whoever this someone is, is driving a silver Prius, and they happen to just shoot Dan through the driver's side window, pretty much killing him instantly. One of the neighbors ends up seeing this, this, they hear it go down, and then they end up checking it out, and see, they don't, they see the Toyota Prius taking off, uh, it's a silver Toyota Prius, it leaves the scene, and then they see what actually happened to Dan after they go up to the car. And they see that the driver's side window is shattered. Uh, one shot was made. And he calls 911, but they have a late response. A 19-minute late response. And I feel like this is the second case we've covered here recently where the police were not on the ball. They didn't show up in the time that they should because they didn't understand what was actually happening. Or if somebody was hurt. And I understand the miscommunication, but damn it. You guys got to be on the ball with this. It feels like they should just answer every single call with the expectation of it being horrendous. Why not do that? Do it that way? So that way, people, things like this aren't occurring more often than not. Uh, Dan ends up being taken to the hospital where he dies. Just a, just a few, I think it was a short amount of time later. It was not very long. Dan didn't have very much of a chance to survive. And Wendy is questioned July 18th, 2014. So in my mind, I can't help but to think it's it's very weird to point fingers at the ex-wife so quickly. But obviously, Tallahassee, Florida, where this took place, had to be aware 
of the situation at hand between them in the court systems. Meaning that they all talk when it comes to the justice system. Police are involved. They just have to be. So I'd imagine they saw some... Oh, does he have any enemies? No, not particularly. But there are... There is a battle uh, continuously happening between the mother of his children and his, just the ex-wife as well as the the grandmother of his children. So there is a reason to contact her. And there is a good chance because Dan had no actual enemies. She was somebody that he still confided in to a certain degree. Like one of the closest people to him outside of just his own parents. So there is reason for them to go to, to the ex-wife first and say, hey, do you know anything? What's up with Dan? What kind of life was he living when you guys were together? How does he treat the children, etc.? There's many things that she can offer to the situation. But when you see the interview with her, she does break down in tears. She got a message saying something happened to Dan. Now she's during the interview. She's crying. She's upset. She's uh, obviously not in the right mind. But she does say some things that's very, very weird. Very weird. And to say those things in that moment doesn't particularly add up in the way that she would want it to be perceived. And we're going to talk about that in just a few moments. We're going to continue on with some more things about this, how it all occurred, and uh, just Dan himself. So one of the main questions that detectives will ask somebody who happens to be involved with somebody that gets killed, whether they're a spouse or uh, just somebody who is like a brother or sister or what have you, they will ask this question where they say, did they owe anybody any money? Did they have any reason for owing somebody money and that person coming to collect the money and doing a bad deed? Now... Wendy gets asked this question, but she says, he owes money to me, but not me. Like, he owes money to me, yes, but I was not involved with him being killed. And she says it that fast, where it kind of tells you that she's thinking in her head, oops, I just let something slide. I let something slide that I was not supposed to. And there's also statements involving the brother. The brother of Wendy Adelson, his name is Charles, he happens to be a dentist, and at one point during the separation of her, of Wendy and Dan, they are together, it's Christmas, and she, Charles tells Wendy that he got her a nice table because he couldn't find a hitman. Ah ha 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 ha, so funny brother, how hilarious of you to say this. What? I've never heard of this before, ever. People just don't joke about hiring a hitman to kill their husband or wife. It's a not funny joke. So the investigators actually find that there is no evidence or signs of a robbery or burglarization, nothing like this. And via the news, the following day, they, they report that it's obvious that Dan Markle was an intended victim. Meaning that they didn't come there to take anything. They came there to kill Dan. That's it. Whoever this was, 
whoever it was, came to kill Dan. Now, could this be somebody that he represented? Is it somebody who's disgruntled at Dan because he's a lawyer? No, because like I said at the beginning, Dan was not that type of a lawyer. He wasn't taking cases. He wasn't representing anybody, but he was teaching. He was studied. He was certified in criminal law. And that's, that's ridiculous that it comes down to this, where you're in a situation not knowing what happened to a guy who would also be in a situation looking into what happened to somebody, if he was that type of lawyer. And this isn't a new theme where, you, where a lawyer or a judge or somebody is attacked by somebody who's in, into the crime world. But here in this situation... Dan was not that type of lawyer because initially that's what a lot of people expected. Hey, was it somebody that he was he was representing? Was it one of his clients? Was it somebody that he got put away? And no, because that's not the type of lawyer he was. So that goes right out of the door. Goes right out the door, right out the window. I don't know the saying, keep up. They end up putting out a reward of $25,000 for tips and then an independent uh, award com comes in of $100,000 for information leading to an arrest. But not much to go on. A year goes by. A press conference comes up. The police end up showing this vehicle. A year later, they show a picture of this silver Toyota Prius. And that's what helps solve everything. That's what gets us to where we're going. Where somebody's going to pay for murdering Dan Markle. And it goes much deeper than this, folks. It goes so much deeper. More people were involved than we expected. And yet, not many people got in trouble. But the right people did get in trouble. At least to the best of our knowledge thus far. In 2016, two years later, arrests were finally made. Sigfrido Garcia and Luis Rivera were actually arrested. It was a Broward County arrest. Police didn't actually say how they got the info as to uh, finding these guys and actually saying that they were the ones that did this. They didn't, they didn't divulge that information to the public. But it was said that this vehicle had been seen around Tallahassee. Uh, they had actually made a drive from Miami to Tallahassee as an alleged murder for hire. And it all comes to a head when one of the guys actually confesses completely. But this goes so much deeper than just two guys from Miami coming up here to kill some random guy that they don't know. That in itself has to be like, hmm, that's pretty weird. Two guys that have absolutely no ties to Dan end up coming up here to kill him. What is this about? How does that happen? There's got to be much more. So, they end up pulling a camera that was that sees this uh, Prius driving on it, and they kind of notice that this Prius has actually been following the same route as what Dan would typically follow. So that's how they know that the, these are the guys. And there's also not very many rented Priuses. Hmm, Pri? I don't know. Uh, there's not many of these same vehicles being rented throughout the entire city of Tallahassee. So once they did find these guys, they end up getting questioned. 
it runs so deep it runs all the way back to the Charles Adelson the brother of Wendy who is the ex-wife of Dan because as we priorly mentioned Dan's wife ex-wife was trying to take the children away trying to move away with the kids already changed their names just breaking Dan down as a person I don't even know how he was able to still get up and go to work every day knowing that this shit was happening outside and then he ends up dying it's just bizarre so Luis Rivera was actually the one driving around or excuse me he was the one that ends up being the passenger and he's the one that tells the police what they did they followed Dan all around they watched his schedule but who hired them? Was it the brother? The dentist brother? Well, let's just say that he is allegedly involved. Meaning that he had connections with this Catherine uh, Majaminera, who, who actually is the one that had connections with Siegfriedo and Luis. Uh, she was the mother of Siegfriedo's kids, but she was in a relationship with Charles Adelson. So she's the middleman between Wendy's family and the ones that killed Dan Markle. Now Catherine is the first person that Louise called after the murder. They had phone records of this. Uh, Charles, Donna, and Catherine are all connected in this weird murder for hire type of situation. Now this is allegedly because yes, Siegfriedo, yes, Luis were charged with killing Dan. But so far to this day, nobody else has gotten in trouble. At least not from the Adelson portion. That's how deep it goes. Now, <clears throat> three months later, Catherine started receiving checks from the dentistry. Now, they were upward sums of $2,000. And as I said before, Wendy's mother hated Dan. Hated him. And she's also the mother of Charles, who also probably knew Catherine, who also seems to be and I picture this very much like a old soap opera with a very domineering mother where she's at home drinking white wine all day long but she wears a $2,000 gown and she just talks to her cat and the cleaning lady all day and then she sees her kids two or three times a week which is a lot and she tells them exactly how to live their lives. A very, uh, a Quella DeVille type of character. And she says, you know, I don't like the, the father of your children. I don't like that he is, he is trying to control you by not letting you leave with the kids or change their names. I'm sure she was the backbone to many of the decisions that Wendy, as well as Charles, made in their lives. And I'm sure that they just went right along with it because that's all they've known. Because like I said, Dan disagreed with all of this. He wanted to prevent, prevent the mother-in-law. He actually did 
go out of his way to make sure that the mother mother-in-law was not allowed to be around his kids. So I'm sure that that just rubbed her the wrong way, adding fuel to the fire. But in the end, I'm sure Dan didn't think, oh, well, she's going to or they're going to try to hire somebody to kill me. That's going to happen. I'm sure he didn't think of that at all. Why would you? Now, like I said, Luis goes on to spill everything. He confesses to the whole thing, admitting to the hiring and the murder for money. But here's the thing. Lewis didn't know that he was getting into Sigfrido's car planning to go kill somebody. He thought that it was some sort of a robbery. They were going to go rob somebody. And over a short amount of time riding around in this car, he's told, hey, we're going to go kill somebody. And then they start following Dan around. They start paying more attention to where he's going, what he's doing, where he's going to be. And he's told that he's going to get $35,000 for Dan's killing. And Siegfriedo actually shows him a picture of Dan before they obviously go see him. And Luis says he just looks like a regular guy. Just looks like a dude. I don't understand. I mean, why are we going to kill him? I, he didn't understand. But at the same time, he still went through with it, guy. They say that they end up getting some money from the lady. And that's all that he kept calling her was the lady. And the lady told the guys that she just wanted her kids back. So Luis was told to do the shooting. And the lady is obviously Wendy. She wanted the kids back. But then again, some mothers or grandmothers will say that the grandkids are their kids. They have that kind of a connection with them. Like, oh, these are my kids. It's very strange. And that could obviously be the case. This all seems too strange. So the FBI does go on to wiretap Charles uh, Adelson and his dentistry because he's making calls with Catherine. They're talking. And obviously you want to get evidence the best way you can and the most viable evidence to get everybody at once. So undercover, an undercover officer actually makes a call to Charles and it's a very weird call. You'll have to find it. But it is such a strange call to hear where you're like, well, I don't, I don't really understand what he's trying to make him say. It's one of those weird ones where you're like, oh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if you're, you're pitching the right dialogue here, coach. Because he's not, he's not what is he going to say? Uh, yes, I owe them money or I'm not sending them money. Because the whole thing is he's trying to basically get him to admit that he is sending money to a prison or a jail or somewhere wherever these people are locked up. The ones that did these crimes. Certain ones have been taken care of by Charles Adelson. Some of them have not. But he does not admit to it. So you can't really say one way or the other. There's not enough evidence to 100% say that these people were involved. But when it's a guy who has no enemies other than somebody who's trying to take his kids. What else are you supposed to What? Where else do the fingers point? Now, because of the way that Wendy responds to that, oh, he owes me money, but not me, it only makes you speculate her even more. Now, the other reasons are obviously because she wanted to move away with the kids. Dan also had an issue with her mother who because he went out of his way to prevent the mother-in-law from being around the kids. So it just points fingers. It points the obvious fingers at these people that might have wanted him dead when there's nobody else 
there's no other conflict or turmoil in his life for him to be murdered, especially when there's no robbery attempt or stealing. There's nothing like that. It's simply he was a victim that was murdered in his own driveway. So as I said, the undercover uh, cop, the FBI wiretapping, all of this stuff, it doesn't give us enough evidence to say for sure that any of the Adelson family was involved. Now, of course, they speculate. But it continues on, and Luis ends up going to trial first, and he's convicted of second degree. He gets 19 years, plus he was already in jail, serving a 12-year sentence, and they're running together. Uh, Catherine was also arrested, and she goes on trial the same time as Siegfriedo, and there are 2016 trials. Both of them end up getting the same thing. They get life plus 30 years. And it all kind of goes back to the custody of the two sons and being hired by the mother-in-law. Uh, Wendy's ex actually testifies to the brother saying that the brother, she said that her brother wanted to hire a hitman. Uh, and this is around July 13th of 2014. Now, that's pretty weird because, as I mentioned before, the brother made the comment about, hey, I got you this table instead of hiring you a hitman. Couldn't find one. Now, he made this comment right in front of her new boyfriend, which is now her ex. And he testified to this. That means he's saying, yeah, 100% this happened. There's no way I could lie. I wouldn't lie. So that's scary. So it comes back to who really shot Dan? Well, it says that it's either Luis or Siegfriedo. Hard to say which one for sure. Either way, they both get jail for it and a lot of jail, but Siegfriedo immediately tries to appeal. He tries to appeal this immediately. And that in itself is somebody saying, hey man, we didn't do this, or hey, there's more people involved. Because as we mentioned, there's a lady. Who's the lady? Is it Wendy? Is it Wendy's mother? I mean, there's no answers. But this continues on because the mother-in-law ends up getting in trouble, but it ends up being a mistrial. So it's rescheduled for 2020. So sometime this year, sometime in 2020, we're going to see a possible resolution to this whole thing. Uh, Dan is memorialized at his school because he had all those credentials. He, he did all that schooling. He was a very beloved person outside of these people, the ones trying to take away his kids. And he didn't have any malicious you know, anything malicious in him to go against her. Like, he wasn't doing anything to her other than, hey, your mom needs to stay away from my kids and you're not going to take them away from me. You're not going to move away with my kids. And let's be honest, this isn't the first time we've heard of these things happening where it's your spouse or your children and somebody ends up dead. That's so crazy that the killer is sometimes in the house. A lot of times they're in the house. It's crazier to think that somebody that you still love or once loved may be the one that takes you away. Alright guys, that's going to do it for this week's episode or today's episode. Whatever, man. It really just depends. I might put out multiple episodes during the week. I might put out one for a two-week period. It just depends. I'm trying to do more episodes and quicker episodes 
get you guys to the details and get you out of here. Because it is strange. I'm also adding music to the background, all these different things just to make the show that much more entertaining. But nonetheless, if you enjoyed it, please don't forget to subscribe, leave a five-star review, say whatever you want, and most certainly, donate to the show, support the shows at patreon.com slash podculture. I am at Patrick Michael Comedy on Instagram, and you know, we're going to be here, we're going to be around. Thank you so much for tuning in. This just It means the world that you guys even take a minimal interest in this show or any of the shows. And uh, that just keeps you, keeps uh, somebody like me at work, working hard or hardly working. I don't know. Who cares? Does that mean it doesn't matter? I'm just rambling at this point. Either way, until next time.